When the shepherds arrived to the place of Jesus' birth, they shared with Joseph, Mary, and others about the report that they had heard in the fields. And don't you find it interesting that Luke 2 verse 18 says, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them? Were Joseph and Mary alone in a little barn? We'll explore that more together tonight. But after the shepherds appeared, Luke chapter 2 and verse 19 says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. For this morning, that will be the focal point of our message. To treasure means to hold something dearly. To ponder means to think about something deeply. Today I have a treasure box. It is a treasure box that was once Jordan's um, that has been gifted to Balance. And th that when I was clearing out the, the box, it took me about three hours um, to get all the stuff um, from the box. Um, and I have placed a few items in the box. I know that there's one couple who's very nervous about the box this morning, but what I want us to do is I want us to look together in the Christmas treasure box that we have and ponder what it might mean. So let's see what's in the treasure box first. These are traditions, by the way, that individuals within our congregation um, kind of do. And the first thing that I'm pulling out of the treasure box, what could it be? It, it looks like some lights. Clark Griswold, are you here? Is that on? All right. Oh, there's Ash. So I'm kind of the reverse Clark Griswold in that sense where I've always thought it would take a lot of time and a lot of money for all those Christmas lights, but we like to go out and see Christmas lights. We have some on the house, but... What our tradition is, is, is we really like to go out and see all the different Christmas light celebrations throughout really the entire St. Louis metro area. Um, we'll go up to Alton, Lebanon. Uh, we love going to the zoo. Um, over, it was really neat. We got to go over to Tillis Park, and, and my nephews, Branson and John, got to ride with us the other night. Um, uh, and, we, and, and we just really love that family time. And, and one of the best ones we like is the, uh, going to the Our Lady of Snow Shrine. Um, and just uh, because not only does it tie in the lights, but it also ties in the story of Jesus and the story of Christmas. And we started off, um, and Laura and I started reading that story to them as we would drive along. And um, last year, or two years ago, Jordan was old enough to read it, so she started reading it. And then last year, Ash um, was old enough to read it. And then this year, they kind of alternated the signs. So if you've never been there, it's pretty, it's pretty neat. Um, there's all sorts of stuff to do for the kids between, um, you know, the, uh, the petting zoo and, and going in and, and the Legos and that sort of thing. And another really special thing is that as we are a family, a young family, we have a minivan. And um, because of that, we have two extra seats in that minivan. And um, we get to enjoy that time uh, with my wonderful mother and father-in-law, Randy and Yvonne. We always say we don't get to spend enough time with them. So... Uh, Let's, uh, <laughs> uh, let's bring them, and they're always uh, it's such a great time, and, and we look forward to that every year. So.
Jason, the time wasn't supposed to be spent, you know, trying to earn brownie points with the in-laws. But hey, whatever works for you. Um, the, the viewing of lights is a good tradition, I think, albeit my wife would tell you that I neither like the cold nor the lines associated with doing that in various places. Um, when you see all those cars lined up on the, the interstate and you think, man, how much gas is this going to cost? Um, so I might be a little bit of a Scrooge, I suppose. The boys always say that um, we are the darkest house on the street. Um, but I acknowledge that the lights are a good tradition because, well, darkness was alighted with the glory of the Lord before the shepherds. They would have reported what they had seen to Mary, a report that she certainly would have treasured and pondered in her heart. God did not leave the shepherds in the dark. He sent an angel to announce the good news. And I would tell you this morning that he does not want you to remain in the dark either. A Savior who is Messiah, Lord, has been born to you in the town of David. And so there's another item in the box that's, I don't know, it's a bit perhaps unusual. What, what might it be? This one, I think, will surprise even the most astute of you. It's a Barbie doll. Hey, who in here has a tradition that involves a Barbie doll? I think it may be Miss Bradley. Come on up here. Well, this tradition started about... 22 or 23 years ago, uh, when we had, had our first grandson was three, and Don said, I'm going to get him a Barbie for Christmas. And he got that Barbie for, for Jackson, and Jackson was the most angry person you ever saw on Christmas, and he was almost four, and he had that little finger up in his grandpa's face telling him about it, and then it became a war. So every year, Don would get Jackson a Barbie, and Jackson would get Don a Barbie. And they'd <coughs> fight and argue about it. <coughs> and then eight years later, Jacob came along, and Don got a Barbie from Jack, and he got Jacob and Jackson Barbies. And then uh, 10 years later, Santi comes along, and Jackson is now 18, and Jacob and Santi all three get Barbies, and Don got Barbies from Jackson and Jacob. And so that tradition continued, and um, last year was our first Christmas without Don, and Jackson bought all the bars, boys Barbies, and I happen to know that he's getting them Barbies again this year, and Jackson has picked up that tradition that his grandpa did, and... Uh, Meanwhile, I have a large box of Barbies up in my loft, so they'll just stay there. Don Spradley, 
what could you possibly have done with him, really? I mean, one of a kind, right? I mean, um, what an unexpected tradition. What an unexpected annual gift. How special I think it is that Jackson is carrying on the tradition. Well, the shepherds were told of a remarkably unexpected birth. The birth of a savior, the birth of a Messiah born amid lowly circumstances. And the shepherds would have reported this to Mary, a report that she would have treasured and she would have pondered in her heart. Dr. Dale Ralph Davis, one of my former seminary professors, asks, if Christ stoops so low to such a common level, does this not sanctify all that seems ordinary and unimpressive in the lives of his people? The teacher tutoring a slower student, the farmer bailing his hay, the accountant preparing tax returns, the pastor studying and preparing for a sermon, and so on. The lowliness of Jesus' birth touches the common outworkings of our lives. It would have touched the lives of a poor young couple. It would have touched the lives of some poor shepherds, and it still touches our poor souls at Christmas. And so, tomorrow is Christmas, and, and, and it is, it is Christmas tomorrow. And what could be in the box? Hmm, what could be next? What, what do you think may be in the box next? Oh, what'd you say, Valen? Oh, a birthday cake. All right, who does a birthday cake on Christmas morning. Uh, several people, but here we go. Oh, hey. We started a tradition when our four beautiful granddaughters were old enough to realize um, what Christmas was all about. And so I started baking a cake and putting baby Jesus on top of the cake, and then all four of them would sing happy birthday to Jesus. Does, does any, do any children want to come down? We're going to sing happy birthday. Do any children want to come down and join Valen? Because Valen loves the happy birthday song. Anybody, anybody else going to come? Come on. If you want to sing happy birthday, come on down. We're going to sing happy birthday to Jesus. Come on. Here we go. Sally may be the... the mm, the, yes, the, oldest, the child. oldest child. Yes, yes. And and Lisa, if you would just, well, I was going to say hand it to Jim, but that's okay. That's okay, Jim. We won't do that to you. Okay. Here we go. Are we ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. I'm not sure I made out who we were singing happy birthday to there at the end. Um, but, but there we go. That's the, 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 the beauty of Christmas, right? Um, 
It's, it seems fitting that we would sing happy birthday to Jesus as our king, does it not? Would um, you think that the shepherds, though, would have sang happy birthday to Jesus? No, they, they would not. But they did come to celebrate the birth of Jesus, a celebration that once again Mary would have treasured and pondered in her heart. Again, quoting from my seminary professor, he says, God did not send an economist because our deepest need is not poverty. God did not send a philosopher because our trouble is not incoherence. God did not send a psychologist for our problem is not maladjustment. God did not send an entertainer for our problem is not boredom nor an administrator for we are not disorganized nor even a religious leader because we are not by nature completely irreligious. No, God sent his son to reign as king in our hearts, to reign as king over our lives. And that is the proclamation of Christmas. And so there is a proclamation in the box. What could the proclamation be? I Start making your way up, Chuck. It's going to take you an hour and a half to get up here. Come on, Chuck. Come on. Chuck knows who it is. Um, in fairness to Chuck, Sue was supposed to do this, but Sue decided that she was ill today and passed it along to Chuck. I, I made you a copy unless you have a copy yourself. But there you go. Okay. That may be easier to read for you. Hey, well, Chuck, 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 Chuck. There you go, Bob. There you go. There you go. Is it on? Yes, it's on. Okay. Forty years ago, when probably my oldest son was about four or five years old, Sue came up with the idea that she was going, uh, on Christmas Eve, you know, everybody wants to open the gifts on Christmas Eve. Sue doesn't want them to open them on Christmas Eve, so she came up with some little things she would give the kids on Christmas Eve, and so she decided that she was going to make them work for it. So she would come up with these riddles that would take them around the house, and uh, everywhere they'd find, they'd end up with a riddle took them, there would be another riddle. And then finally, after four riddles, they would find whatever boy she hid. And it would be a nice little gift of some kind. Well, this went on for, till my kids were, you know, older teenagers, and they were still asking for it. So she kept doing it, and then the kids started having kids, and then the grandkids wanted to do it. So she's been doing this for 40 years. I mean, you gotta read it. Here you go. This is one of her riddles. Twiddle dee, twiddle dum, the night for hunting treasure has finally come. Are you set? Are you ready to go? If so, there are things you need to know. Think about what's underground where crafts and games and toys are found. Please step carefully or else you will fall and you won't find your clue nor play volleyball. So the kid would go down and find it. And of course the idea is there, he didn't, the, each of the kids had no idea 
where to go until they solved these clues. Occasionally, a kid would ask me to help them, which was a bad idea. <laughs> I'm not good with riddles. <laughs> but uh, it's a tradition we've had for 40 years, and it worked well. And I think it's going to be one she even continues, or even hopefully my children will continue because they, they love to, to go after these things with the riddles. Thank you. So there's a special riddle or poem or what you would say that Chuck and Sue would write out. Well, actually, we just found out Chuck didn't have anything to do with it. Um, Sue um, would write out for their children and grandchildren. Um, I would say it resembles what Mary's life, to an extent, would have involved. Did Mary actually know the child that she was holding on that first Christmas would one day die for her sins and for the sins of the whole world? Consider this much. Faithful Jews, of which Mary certainly was one, anticipated a Messiah who would deliver them from Roman rule. It thus seems fair for us to sing each Christmas, Mary, did you know? I think, in fact, she pondered what Jesus would do. And what was he born to do? Now let's go one more time to our Christmas box. I just found this to be such a, a clever and memorable tradition, maybe one that we should start as a family. What, a Christmas ornament? You are right, Valen. It is a Christmas ornament, but not, and we do do Christmas ornaments as a family, but this is not like any Christmas ornament that we have ever hung on our tree. It is a nail that is hung as a Christmas ornament on the horseman's tree. Would you come share with us? Well, we hang a nail on our tree for a couple of reasons. The first reason is because Christmas would be of no value if Christ hadn't been born for a reason. And that reason was to die for us, to save us from our sins, because otherwise we'd be a mess. There's just no way that we could ever come into the face of God without Jesus. So the nail reminds us that Jesus went through a horrible death for us, and that we now can be sure of eternity because of his death on the cross. We also put it on the tree because in the story of Jesus, when Mary and Joseph went to the inn, the innkeeper said, there's no room. Well, we're kind of living in a world where it doesn't seem like they make much room for Jesus. So the nail reminds us to make room for him. Can't ask for a better present.
not to give away Christmas Eve service and not to offend anyone, but um, I'm not exactly sure that we have really studied the Christmas season. I don't think that we've actually paid as much attention to the biblical account of Jesus' birth. And it's, it's one that um, I am constantly learning new things about. Um, because, you know, we think about it. We're told, you know, we've got these little nativity scenes out and they don't match the biblical account. Um, and it's important for us to understand what that biblical account involves and looks like. I mean, our carols, we, we sing, the, I, I, I like Christmas carols, but if you pay attention to some of the words of the Christmas carols, some of the songs that are written at Christmas time, they're not biblically accurate. But consider this much. This much we know with accuracy the mother of Jesus would one day stand beneath the cross on which her son died. How about pondering that for a moment? The mother of the Son of God would stand beneath the cross where her son would die. Is that the future you think Mary pondered? for her son and for herself that first Christmas? No. I, don't, I, don't, I don't either, Valen. I, I don't think that Mary treasured in her heart and pondered the fact that one day she would follow her son to a cross at Calvary. I don't think so. Um, Mary, did you know I don't think so. But what did Mary always treasure? She always treasured the Messiah's birth. And what did Mary continue to ponder? What that birth would mean for her and what it would mean for others. Did she know how everything was going to turn out? Again, I say Mary did not know. No disciple, no disciple, Mary included, fully realizes Jesus' purpose among them and for them. It is a journey of faith. It is not an immediate understanding. I want to say that again. It is a journey of faith that we are on. It is not an instantaneous understanding. It is treasuring and pondering in our hearts all rolled up into one. And Mary serves as a reminder that not all insight and grasp of truth is going to be immediate, but that it most often comes with time and exposure and mulling over what God is doing and what God intends to show us. Should we, you and I, then be like Mary? I would say yes, yes we should. I would say is she not one of the most wonderful models of discipleship that you could ever hope to find? Mary had a faith that was always 
seeking to understand and that was always willing to follow where God called her. So I suspect that is what Christmas should hold for us, really. It's a season that should point us to a right spirit of discipleship. Christmas is a celebration of what it means to be a disciple. It should remind us to treasure Jesus having been born into our hearts, and it should cause us to ponder what that new birth means. Consider this much. Life will not always go the way you and I expect or hope for it to. Some things in life are especially hard, and we cannot understand them in the moment. Life, again, is a journey of faith, and we don't always immediately understand why things happen as they do. But are we willing to follow him wherever he takes us? It honestly should make us cry. The mother of the Son of God stood beneath the cross and watched her son die. Is that what she treasured and pondered in her heart that Christmas morn? I, I don't know what each individual in this congregation faces on a day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis or a year-to-year basis. I don't know some of the loss that has been felt. I don't know some of the hurt that continues. I don't know. But I know that discipleship is a journey. And it's not always clear to us as to what it might look like. There are going to be many curves in our roads. A number of individuals have reached out to Brooke and me just because last year we had a curve in our road. And it, it, it ended in a way that we can celebrate, but not everyone has curves in their road that end in celebration. Many people have curves in their road that end in heartache and heartbreak and loss and uncertainty. But here's the thing. Isn't it wonderful knowing this Christmas, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, say it with me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is what we should treasure. And when there are moments that come in our lives that are uncertain and unclear, that is what we should ponder. What does it mean for us? It means that we can treasure the Christ who has come and we can ponder 
what he is yet to do in both the good and the bad, the hard and the easy, the joyful and the sorrowful. But if we have the gift of our king, don't we have everything? I'd ask you to pray with me. Lord, it is um, wonderful to celebrate traditions with family. It is wonderful to reflect upon what you have done for us. And it is good for us as disciples to always be open to fresh learning to opening our hearts, our minds, our ears to what it is that you would show us. Not what our world sometimes wraps thing, things up as, but how you wrapped your son in swaddling clothes. And not only did you wrap him at his birth, but he unwrapped it at his resurrection. Today, Christ, remind us that you came. You came to die and yet bring life through the power of your resurrection. We celebrate that now and tomorrow and the next day and the love that you showed every day of our discipleship life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our song of um, response is A Little Town of Bethlehem, stanzas one, two, and four. If you're able, I invite you to stand as we sing. <laughs>